0: feel like that intro gets more and more epic every time we watch it, right? Listen, let's, before we go any further, can we just take a moment and celebrate the goodness of our God? He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise, and oh my goodness, it's so good to sing that to Him. Well, I, I'm, I cannot tell you how excited I am this morning uh, to continue to share with you from Revelation chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, just go ahead and turn there. Revelation chapter 5, we're going to read the rest of that chapter this morning. We're continuing in our series through the book of Revelation. And we find ourselves faced with an incredible scene today that I'm so excited for us to look at. Derek laid a fantastic foundation last week for us as we consider the fact that God has a plan— for all of creation, and that Jesus is the only one who is worthy to open and enact that plan. We, we heard that last week as we read verses 1 through 7, and we saw that Jesus is the Lamb who is at the center of all heaven, and He has earned the right through His death and resurrection to open the scroll that God the Father held in His mighty right hand. And we're, we're going to get to that in just a second, but, but before we get too far down that road, um, You guys remember that I'm married, right? You know that? Yeah. So I am so thankful for my wife. Um, It it is a blessing for me. Dang, I'm going to get choked up. (laughs) It's a blessing for me to sit down there and watch my wife worship up here. That's just, I don't know if you understand what a blessing that is for me, but it is. Um, And I'm so thankful for her. And, and, um, you know, most of you might think that guy just exudes confidence and surety in all of his life. I'm sure you probably think that. But... Believe it or not, believe it or not, there are times when I struggle. I, I struggle. I, I need encouragement. I need uh, somebody to say, hey, keep going. You're doing a great job. And Kim is my person that I go to for encouragement. She's my encourager. And this summer, we're going to celebrate 17 years of marriage, and that's really exciting to me. And, and I remember—oh, well, thank you. Yes. Yes trust me, it's been much, diffi- much more difficult for her than it has been for me. Um, but uh, I-, I wanted to share a story with you. I, I remember on our wedding day, uh, I was so nervous. So nervous. And um, it-, it wasn't because I wasn't 100% sure that God had led me to the right person, that Kim was the one for me to spend the rest of my life with. It, it was not that. Uh, it was just that I wanted the day to be perfect for Kim and wanted to be perfect for me as well. I mean, I know that you know, little girls dream about their wedding day when they grow up, and newsflash, hot take, guys dream about that too. They want it to be a great day, okay? Let's just be honest. Um, Maybe not in the same ways. Like, I wasn't dreaming about the tux I was going to wear as a five-year-old, right? So, um, but being the planner that I am, I I had to, I had run through every scenario in my head of everything that would happen, even up to the moment that I'm standing down front with the pastor, and my brother as the best man, and And, uh, you know, my heart was beating a million miles an hour. And um, (laughs) then everybody was asked to stand, and um, it blocked my view of Kim, because the sanctuary that we got married in was similarly set up to this one, where he had two side rows, now a center row. And so I'm standing down front, everybody's asked to stand, and the door's open. And have you guys ever experienced that thing where, like, you can feel your heart beating in your ears? Like, you're so nervous, you're like, oh my gosh, I can feel my heart beating in my ears. That was me, and as everyone stood, it blocked my view of Kim, and I was standing there waiting, so nervous, going, I don't know what's happening. Is she even coming? I don't know. I can't see, and so nervous, and then Kim made it far enough down the aisle that I could see her, and when I saw her, there was no more nervous in me. She made everything right for me. There were no more worries. Everything was perfect. It didn't matter the million scenarios that I had run through. Kim made everything okay for me in that moment. When, every, when I saw Kim, everything was right. And now, please do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that Kim is God. That's not what I'm saying. But we have a very similar thing happen here in Revelation chapter 5. That in the chaos of life, in The craziness of our world when we see our savior Everything is right Everything comes into focus all the worries go out the window when we see our savior We've been told that jesus as the victorious lamb is worthy to open the scroll. We read that last week And today we're going to get to see the response of heaven When they turn to see him So let's read what happens here. Let's stand together, if you don't mind, if you're able. Let's stand. We're going to read verses uh, 8 through 14 of Revelation chapter 5. Follow along with me. And when he had taken the scroll, Jesus has just taken the scroll out of the Father's hand. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. By your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys can have a seat. Let me pray for us before we continue. God, you are worthy of all honor and blessing and glory and wealth. We give it all to you today. Father, speak to us now. Jesus, remind us of the sacrifice you made, and Holy Spirit, apply it to our hearts. We love you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we read through these verses, there are three things that we find here that are so important for us to grasp this morning uh, as we look at this passage. The first thing we find is that when we see the Lamb, our response is worship. When we see the Lamb, our response is worship. We, we have this incredible scene that's described here in verse 8, and really over the last few weeks as we've looked through chapter 4 and the beginning of, of chapter 5 and now the end of chapter 5, you could look through all of this scene in heaven of all of this worship that's happening of God, and you could legitimately ask, could, could anything make the worship of heaven more fervent? I mean, there are rainbows and lightning and thunder and elders throwing their crowns and this this incredible scene of worship and so you legitimately could ask could anything make this better because it's pretty stinking good as it is you could ask could anything add to the worship of heaven could anything cause the host of heaven to sing another song the answer is yes jesus can did you guys hear that yes jesus can We have a Savior who can enhance the worship that's already taking place in heaven. The appearance of the Lamb standing as though slain renews the song of heaven. And there's this new exuberant outpouring of worship. We see the Lamb take the scroll out of the right hand of God and look at how the elders respond. The elders and the creatures, what does it say that they do there in verse 8? They fall down before the Lamb. They fall down before. And worship him. The Lamb is worshiped because, as the slain and risen one, he alone can open the scroll. The worshiped Lamb is worshiped just as God the Father was back in chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus is God, He's fully God, and we worship Him just like the elders do here. There's something important for us to see about worship here. So, as your worship pastor, I want you to understand the importance of studying and continuing to seek after god not that not that that's not emphasized already but it's important for us to continue to worship and to seek after our god and the reason that's important is because god is always going to give us new reasons to worship him we will never have god figured out this side of heaven He is always there's always going to be a new aspect of him for us to see that he'll reveal to us We're going to see fresh visions of god's worth forever Because in honesty these things that we read about here in revelation chapter 5 They they look to be new reasons for us to worship him But really they're eternal truths that have always been true about who god is Even before the foundations of the world it says the lamb was slain And so there are eternal truths about God, but we're made more aware of them as we worship and study Him more. Does that make sense? So when we become more aware of who God is, the response is worship. But not only is the response worship, look at what each of the elders and creatures are holding. They each have a harp and a golden bowl of incense. Now, this is near and dear to my heart. I'm an instrumentalist, right? And so they have an instrument to express their joy Uh, To who jesus is revealing himself to be and to praise him They use those harps to praise him just like all these instrumentalists up here use these instruments to praise God so music is an important part of worship. It's not the only thing about worship, but it's an important part but also They're holding a bowl of incense and this represents the prayers of the saints is what it tells us there in verse 8 And this recalls imagery from the Old Testament, uh, the altar of incense that was in the tabernacle and then later on in the temple where the priests would go and burn incense before the Lord. It made a pleasing aroma before Him. And just as that aroma pleased the Lord in the Old Testament, the prayers of the saints please the Lord now. When we pray, that is an act of worship. It's not just us talking to God and telling Him what we need. Because when we pray to God It implies that we believe He's able to meet our needs That we ask Him for things And we believe He can meet those needs Otherwise, it's a fruitless task, right? You're just talking to the ceiling If you don't believe that God Is going to be able to answer your prayer We are showing that we believe God is powerful enough to work and move And Jesus is presented with the prayers Of God's people Because of His death and resurrection In which He has taken control of history, And the same is true for us today when we get a glimpse of who Jesus is in moments like we have every Sunday where we worship God through song and through the word and through prayer when we get a deeper glimpse of who he is the only proper response is worship and he is worthy of all of our worship and praise but not only is our response worship when we see the lamb but the second thing we find here is that when we see the lamb our identity is is solidified. Look at what it says here again in chapter uh, 5, verse 9 and 10. These elders sing a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take up the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So in response to the Lamb taking the scroll... The angels, the, the elders and the, and the creatures, they sing a new song before the Lord. Now, in Scripture, God's people would sing a new song when God would intervene and save them and deliver them. And in fact, you, you see this at several very pivotal points in Scripture. There's five times in the book of Psalms and then two times in the book of Revelation when we see that the people of God are singing a new song. So, for those of you who take notes, uh, you could look at Psalm 33— psalm 96 psalm 98 psalm 144 and psalm 149 and in each of those psalms there is the directive that there that the people of god are going to sing a new song we see it here in uh, revelation chapter 5 verse 9 and you see it again we'll get to it eventually but you see it again in revelation 14 3 where the people of god are singing a new song and i want us to Spend a little time here because it's important to understand what's happening when we see this directive to sing a new song There's three things that each of these instances have in common There's five times in the Psalms and the two times here First, each time this new song is sung, the language that you see there If you were to look at the Hebrew or if you were to look at the Greek, it's always communal in nature And what that means is that it's always a plural thing It's not you, person of God, individual, go sing a new song It's you, the people of God, the community of faith Sing a new song to the Lord The people of God together are singing a new song to God A new song celebrates God's sovereignty and His worthiness A new song is sung because God has done a new work for those who belong to Him And as God reveals himself to creation, it creates a community of people. And as followers of Christ, we belong to that community. And so we have this identity when we come to faith, when we respond to God revealing himself to us. There's a community aspect that happens. That's why, yes, it is possible to be a believer by yourself. But you are missing out on so much of the experience that God designed for us to be a group of people together chasing after Him. That's why this time on Sunday morning is so important, because we come together to seek after God together, that we cry out, He is worthy of all of our praise, together. And we get to remind each other of the importance of that. And so you're beginning to see this identity that's being solidified. The the second thing, when each of these references to a new song happen, um, they are always sung in relation to God reminding His people of His covenant love for them. They, they're sung in relation to God reminding His people of, their cov- of His covenant love for them. We, we've talked about this in recent months here at Lafayette First, where Derek has led us to understand the hesed of God, that loving kindness, the covenant love that God has for His people. And in Christ, God established a new covenant with His people— and so, Christ's work on the cross is God's decisive work of salvation in history, and it's the sinner aspect and the massive display of God's loving kindness toward us. And so, as we are reminded when we see the Lamb stand in the center of heaven, and we're reminded of the covenant love that God has for his people, it leads us to identify with each other. God has shown me loving kindness just like He's shown Roger loving kindness, just like He's shown everyone else in this room loving kindness. And so we have this this connection that's going on here that helps to identify us. And finally, in each of these instances, the new song is sung as God's people are reminded of His character. We're reminded of God's character, and it forces us to sing a new song. Jesus was willing to make the sacrifice that He made at the cross. He willingly went to the cross to ransom people for God. And so, we don't have to look any further than the cross. I would encourage you to look further than the cross. Look at all of Scripture. But just in the cross, we see God's love. He loves us, otherwise He wouldn't have done what He did. We see God's sovereignty, that He had a plan from the beginning to send Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. We see God's strength at the cross. He can overcome sin. We see God's justice, and that He was willing to make the sacrifice of Jesus because the price had to be paid for sin. And the things that we learn about God at the cross show to us that we can trust in God when things seem to be going wrong around us. We can trust in Him. And so Jesus, as the worthy Lamb who was slain, created a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are adopted in to the family of God and made joint heirs with Christ. We have this identity as sons and daughters of the King that we can relish in and celebrate. Our identity is solidified in Christ when we see Him lifted up. Because of what Jesus has done in creating a people for God, it results in God's glory covering the earth. So our identity is solidified in Christ when we keep our eyes on him, And at this point, um, we've been having this sort of—it's it, it, been a very close picture, and it's kind of zoomed out a little bit, and in my mind it's, it's very cinematic in that all of a sudden, now in verse 11, we have this massive zoom out where we suddenly get a view of everything that's going on. We've been very focused in on the throne, and we have this big zoom out of what's happening here. The camera zooms out from the throne, and we get a glimpse of all of heaven— And here we find our final point that when we see the Lamb, our praise cannot be contained. Our praise cannot be contained when we get a glimpse of who Jesus is. It says that John looks and he sees an innumerable amount of angels, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And for those of you who don't know what a myriad means, it's a lot, all right? So it's a bunch of angels, thousands and thousands and thousands of angels around the throne. That are worshipping Jesus and not only does he see them But here's the incredible thing He hears them And they're praising the lamb who sits On the throne Now just a moment ago we sung the words That we just read here in this passage And it was pretty loud in here Like it got loud because it was excited We were exuberant It doesn't even hold a candle next to what John Hears in heaven Imagine the roar Of this multitude of angels shouting these words to God They're proclaiming the worth of the lamb They're saying he's worthy to receive anything that could be given to him in his honor It says that he will abuse no power He will misuse no wealth He will do good with all his might He will respond rightly to and is worthy of honor and glory and blessing The lamb is worthy of the same worship as God the father in chapter 4 And as we read in verse 13, the worship of the angels in heaven spills over and reverberates through the entire universe, and all creation joins in. Look at verse 13. He says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them. In case you're wondering, that's all of them, all right? Everything. All of creation. And they are saying to him, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Imagine all the animals of the earth bursting forth in praise to God. Imagine all the fish of the sea bursting forth in praise. Imagine the heavenly bodies and the galaxies bursting forth in praise of their creator. Everything from the smallest mosquito to the giant blue whale to the black hole that's a million light years away from us Is worshiping God Their creator That's what John says is happening here And I, I love This is, This seems a little bit understated in my, in my mind But I love what happens When the four living creatures and the elders Turn and see what's happening And they say, Amen Right? They give their stamp of approval It seems like there should be a little bit more excitement there Right? I mean, I guess there is an exclamation point, but it's so I mean this scene is incredible Now the story is going to continue as in chapter six as we'll look at in the weeks ahead Jesus begins to open the scroll and crack open those seals but Let's just take a moment to understand Why this creation-wide celebration is taking place Jesus has taken hold of the plan that God has for all of creation And let's not let that be a small picture of creation. We're not talking about just planet earth We're talking about all of creation the known universe for us He has taken control of the world's destiny of the universe's destiny Jesus the lamb who was slain has taken the scroll And everyone sees him do it and they burst forth in celebration They cannot contain their worship This is our Savior. This is our God, and we worship Him today. He is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of everything. We give it all to Him, right? That's the picture in my mind of anything I have, I throw towards Jesus because He's worthy of it. So, how do we respond today? Well, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, have you ever thought about the fact that That Jesus is in control of the way your life will turn out And and I know Probably most of us initially would say yeah, I've thought about that, but Do you live like you believe that he is in control of that? Do you live in a way that shows I believe that the one who had the power to take the scroll and the only one who had the power to take the scroll Is in control of my life you can trust Jesus with every detail of your life Every detail And I want to make sure that we understand what we say When we say every detail Not we can trust Jesus with every detail That goes the way we want it to go That's not what I'm saying We can trust Jesus with every detail Of our life I, I have lived through days That I don't want to relive Ever And yet Jesus was in control of that day I have lived through days that I would love to go back and relive <laughs> Some of the best days of my life And jesus was in control of those days And just like you I have days that are as normal and vanilla and bland as you possibly could imagine just a normal day And jesus is in control of those days He is in control of every single detail of our life And I don't know about you but if there's a, a person who is in control of everything, I want to trust in him. I want to trust that he is good. I want to trust that he's in control. Here's another question Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus is in control of your kids' lives? If he's in control of my life, and if he's in control of your life, he's in control of all those kids' lives downstairs, too. Now, trust me, there is. A place for parenting. We have to guide our children. Okay, you can't just say, Well, the Lord's got you, go do what you want. That's not how it works, right? We have to parent our kids. I, I pray fervently for Jesus to draw my kids to Himself. I pray for that every day. I pray for that. And when my kids do boneheaded things, I get onto them for it. But I trust. Jesus with the results of their life. I can't save my children I don't have the power to save myself much less my children. And so I trust Jesus to lead them Jesus is in control of all things and we can trust him When we see the lamb when when he is high and lifted up when we keep our eyes on him The response is worship Our identity in Him is solidified, and our praise cannot be contained. It's going to come out. (laughs) The great comfort of our lives is found in the fact that Jesus is good, and He has taken the scroll in His hand. He is in control, and we can trust Him. And I want to let you know today that if you're in this room, and if you have not given your life to Jesus... You can today. You can join into this family to have this identity solidified in your life. You can trust in him. You can be a part of the celebration that we read about here in Revelation chapter five. I want you to know that today, Jesus, the lamb who was slain, was slain for your sin, just like he was slain for my sin. You can trust in him. You can have your identity solidified as a son or daughter of the king, as we talked about a while ago. I'd love to help you with that. Derek and and myself will be down here in just a moment, and we would love to help you with that. Maybe today you're in this room and you have given your life to Christ, but you've been reminded today of God's incredible character. God loves you. God loves you. Please hear that today and accept that today. God loves you. Everyone in this room, He loves you. That's part of who He is. And as we're reminded of that, as we're reminded of God's loving kindness for us, let it draw you to worship. Don't just say, yeah, that's neat. I'm glad that God loves me. Let it draw you. Let it pull you into him closer. Maybe today you need to come to these steps, and there's nothing magical about these steps, but there's a lot that could happen just in physically moving and saying, God, I'm reminded of your loving kindness today, and I need to move from my seat and celebrate your goodness in my life. Maybe you need to do that today. You know, our worship team is going to be coming up here in just a second. You guys can go ahead and start moving now. But we're going to respond in celebration that we have a God who is worthy. That He's the lamb who's seated on the throne and he's high and lifted up today. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our lives. And he invites us to worship him today with all of creation. And I would encourage you to do that. Let's pray together. God, you are incredible. There, there are not words in the English language, or any language for that matter, <laughs> to describe your goodness, to describe your worth. And Father, I pray today that we would be stirred to worship you. That we wouldn't just sit in these pews or stand around in this room and contain our praise or try to contain our praise. Father, I pray that as you've been high and lifted up that we would see you. Our response would be worship. We would remember that we are sons and daughters of the King as followers of Jesus and that our praise would not be able to be contained. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet together and let's worship our Savior.